Welcome to the I2 Podcast. Our passion is to see the influence in everyone lead to impact everywhere. I'm so excited to jump into our episode today. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to I2. So excited to be here again. Another episode. Uh, and, and, and we love talking about this idea of influence. And we believe that everyone has influence. And we're called to use our influence to impact the world. We are on location at SupportWorks. I'm here with a friend, incredible leader, husband, my man, president of SupportWorks, Dave Thrasher. Dave, man, good to be with you. What's going on, buddy? Glad to be here. Man, so so number one, thank you for opening up your uh, your 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 house to us. Your guys' facilities out here, phenomenal. So good to be here. We are like in the nicest. Uh, conference room I think I've ever been in in my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's still shiny and new we've just been in here for a year so yeah, it feels good to be here and glad to have you dude so cool so excited to just jump in and, and for those listening to hear some of your story and love just how God has used you and your family in so many different ways and the company that you guys are building out here in support works I want to start by maybe just having you take us back a little bit I was reading some of your bio and uh, I love that you started working with your parents' company at like 14, mm -hmm. even though from my own experience, like when you're a part of your family's thing, it probably started more at like four months, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you started working at 14. Talk about just kind of growing up with your, your, your parents running Thrasher, what that looked like, and then your involvement. Yeah. So if I step back to childhood, um, you know, a big part of it, certainly when it's a family business, uh, there's a picture that we uh, that I show every once in a while when I'm talking to people is my second grade school photo on picture day. I wore a Thrasher basement <laughs> uh, picture or yeah. a, a logo shirt in I second grade. That. So I've been uh, a lifer for sure. But um, were they paying you for those sales? At the time? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm sure I was getting all sorts of of advertising They're with like my, you had with my second That's what grade you teacher. Got. You get to live in a house. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, so I, it was about 13 or 14 years old, and really um, that was probably too young to be doing what I was doing. Um, <laughs> right. uh, when you have a family business that's construction oriented, you can, you know, get out and, and I guess as soon as you're able to pick up a shovel, you can go to work. Right. But um, really the main reason for that uh, happening at that age was I have a brother that's three years older than me. Yep. And so he would have been 16 or so. And that was kind of the benchmark for when our parents thought you should go, you know, work on a crew in the summer and uh, during holiday breaks from school and that sort of thing. And I was bored in the summer because my brother, who was my playmate, was gone and he was working. And so I was 13, 14 years old in the summer uh, bored. And I said, can I go to work? And I'll just, you know, carpool with my brother and yep. uh, give me a shovel and I'll go to work. So it was uh, mostly out of boredom. And <laughs> I found the, you know, working on a crew and that kind of thing, partially because it was um, a family business, but partially right. I've just always kind of grown up passionate about it. And so it, it was a fun way to spend the summer. And at $4 and 50 cents an hour, I think was minimum <laughs> wage at the time. You can it buy a lot of candy. candy. Oh, right, right. I had more Back candy. I mean, a as a, as a 13 year old kid making, uh, four five, six bucks an hour, uh, working 40 or 50 hours a week. I yeah. felt like I was, uh, making bank. So it was Seriously. a good time. Yeah. You're so. probably balling, man, compared to the rest of the kids. <laughs> You talked about your older brother, Dan, who, uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast with Dan, I'd encourage you to listen to it. Cool story, too. Uh, you talked about just his age being a little older. You know, a lot of times we're looking up to our older siblings for sports or other activities. He was working hard, mm -hmm. and you kind of tagged along with him, started your working journey. You started working at a young age. What, what was it about? Because it was hard work. 
I mean, this is not an easy business, but you said you kind of enjoyed it. What was it about the type of work that you enjoyed? Yeah, you know, and I think we try to instill this in our employees who don't own the company, because I don't think in order to be passionate about what you're doing, you have to own the company. But I right. think, you know, without it ever even being said by my parents or anybody else, is there was a lot of pride in, in our work. And I yep. think no matter who you are and what kind of work you do, whether it's with your hands or if it's in an office or whatever else, is it feels good to go home at night knowing that you're doing something productive and right. that the work you're doing is making a difference. And when you happen to be fixing people's homes, you get to see firsthand at the end of that day. It's like um, when I mow my lawn at the end of the mowing, right. I go up to my second story bedroom and I look out and I admire the straight lines. <laughs> and I think- you're not, uh, I'm not the only one, man. I mean, I'm, who I'm doesn't do that? It's pride of workmanship. <laughs> and I Seriously. think uh, when you're you know, waterproof in somebody's basement and it yeah. starts out as a flooded mess, and when you get done, you have all the new concrete and everything's flat and everything's cleaned up is you feel really good about yourself. And yeah. so I think from a very young age, I just think that's a human instinct of wanting to feel good about the work that you did that day. And so it is really yeah. fulfilling to go home. One of the things I love, got to uh, listen to you share to a bunch of dealers who do similar work to Thrasher all over the country. And you talked about some of those early experiences and you shared a story about going to a basement and it was like, I mean, just for the listeners, explain what did that basement look like? What was it full of? And what was your guys' task that day? Yeah. I mean, this, I don't know what the business lesson is here, but this will be a funny <laughs> story, I guess. So, um, this, uh, I would have been about 16, 17 years old. It's probably 17 years old and uh, was foreman on a crew, had a couple guys working with me, got to a house. Uh, I probably shouldn't say where it's from just so nobody <laughs> feels bad that I'm picking on their neighborhood. But I went to a uh, kind of an older, kind of a rough neighborhood house that had a whole family. And I shouldn't name, I feel nervous to name names, but <laughs> the people that ran the Shrine Circus back then, you can yeah. edit this out if it's offensive <laughs> to the Shrine family or whoever puts the circus on. But all the people who are in the circus were... Uh, hanging out at this house together. <laughs> Maybe uh, the circus was coming through the town. I mean, <laughs> I tell you, exactly. So I don't know what was going on, but these people, uh, for whatever reason, didn't notice that there was a plumbing break wow. uh, in their basement, and there was three feet of raw sewage in the basement oh. when I got in there. Um, and to, in today's standards, I'm sure there's got to be an OSHA standard or something that would right. have protected me from having to do this job. But back then it was, hey, we need to collect a check, and there's a work, work to do. So yep. uh, we went down there. We went to the storage uh, or the like hardware store. We bought squeegees, and we squeegeed on, uh, sewage out of one side of the basement yeah. uh, simultaneously was our uh, two of the guys would squeegee while the other guy jackhammered a hole in the floor, dug a hole, Come on. stuck a pump in the hole, and <laughs> pumped uh, the three feet of sewage out, yeah. by the way, into the street. So I don't know what the neighbors thought of all that sewage that we pumped into the storm drain, I guess, out on the street. But uh, it was kind of a whatever it takes. Um, yeah. I mean, and there was uh, the basement was all cracked up when we would drill what we call weep holes, where you drain the water out of the blocks of a basement, cinder block uh, basement there would be little snakes that would come out of the hole. Ooh. I'm terrified of snakes. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was by far the worst, worst job of my life. Yeah. Um, but we got in and out of there, got the job done and their basement looked a lot better when we were done. So Dude, I, do? I love that story for a variety of reasons. Number one, I loved watching you tell it to all these guys who are in the similar business. Cause they're like, man, they're all laughing. They're like, we get it. We've, we've yep. done that job before, but also you sharing that cause they're looking at you as a leader in your industry. And, and I'm sure the same is for your team to know that you didn't get to where you are today overnight. There was a process. There was a journey. You've had the worst of the worst jobs. You've had great uh, jobs, and, but you've done it all, mm -hmm. which has, I think, been a part of your process to get into where you are today. I read something that in college, you graduated from Concordia. Mm -hmm. You won, was it the Student of the Year Award? 
one year, yeah. your senior year, maybe. Tell, tell me about that. Like, you how do you what? even win the student of the year award? It is hilarious because I was not that great of a student. I yeah. grew up as a really bad student in high school, went to college just because it was, I felt like it was like, I guess the next thing you're supposed to do. But um, my roommates were really mad that I got that award because they know I skipped a ton of classes. <laughs> And they're like, how does a guy that skips that many classes yeah. get student of the year? And I was like, you got to suck up to the right teachers. Um, <laughs> you always were strategic. <laughs> you know what, though? I um, So I had a couple professors in my um, for my major that, you know, of course, with, when you're kind of in a track, especially in your junior and senior year, you're getting kind of down to just the classes that are specific to your major. Um, and I had professors that I really loved. Mm. And I never skipped those classes because I felt like I got a lot out of it. Right. And, uh, you know, some of the classes that you just had to check the box to say you took the, you know, history class or whatever it was, I didn't really like going to those and I did the bare minimum. Right. But when it was something I was passionate about and I was mm. and there was um, a teacher that actually cared about my development, um, I was all over that. And so I think those professors were the ones that nominated me. It's And, the, and I was a great student for those teachers because <laughs> yeah. um, they pulled it out of me. And I think that's just like any great coach or great pastor or great leader is um, – they inspire people to be better than they would have been uh, otherwise and certainly try to emulate that now with our team here. So good. I mean, I think that passion that you had then, that passion at a young age working, you've carried that through your work. It's one thing I really respect about you is, is when you guys go after something, man, you're going after it. You're jumping all the way in and is one of the, I think, primary reasons you have been so successful in what you're doing. I'd love to talk a little bit about Support Works, Thrasher mm -hmm. Basement, it's what your the business your parents started. Your brother Dan is leading Thrasher now. You lead an organization called Support Works that was kind of birthed out of Thrasher. Talk to us about the relationship between Support Works and Thrasher, and just I know you've been apart from the beginning. How how Support Works got started? Yeah, sure. Um, so both businesses are you know still just family owned. We're all kind of uh, all partners together in the same uh, businesses, although they are separate. And really, um, so it would have been. In the late 90s, we started distributing products that we sold to Thrasher um, yeah. and to other contractors that were in similar in the same type of business around the country. And um, then 10 years into kind of distributing, distributing those products, meeting different contractors in the industry, we realized, and as a distributor, we were just shipping and receiving product, essentially. Yeah. Um, contractors that were fixing foundations needed certain anchoring products and other uh, bracketing products to fix foundations. And um, we were just a, essentially a manufacturer's rep for those first 10 mm. years. And after 10 years of observing that other contractors around the country, regardless of where they are from, how big of a city or how small of a city they were from, these uh, owner-operator uh, business people were uh, struggling with a lot of the same things. And yeah. it was, how do we hire good people? How mm. do we train them? How do we uh, run the back office, whether it be accounting and HR? And how do we sell well? And all these different things that you need to know in order to run a good business. But most entrepreneurs were great at swinging a hammer or they right. were great at whatever their trade was, or they're a great accountant or a great tradesperson. And then they say, you know what, I've got enough entrepreneurial spirit and risk taking yeah. in my blood that I'm going to try to go it out on my own, but really have a lot of tough lessons that unless somebody shows mm. you the way you kind of just continue to struggle through it and yep. try to figure it out. And so in 2008, we, um, decided to start support works, uh, essentially because we felt like there was a gap in the industry that there was nobody that was teaching Mm. contractors how to run a good business mm. and so we said well man we've really learned a lot on the thrasher side because we've had this opportunity as a distributor to meet other contractors right and you kind of pull best practices when you visit one contractor that might be worse than something that you are but uh, you're better at them than one thing you, you yeah. kind of share that best practice well we had the benefit of talking to dozens or even really hundreds of contractors mm. over that 10 years and had 
benefited on the thrasher side of our business from all of that uh, kind of shared knowledge. knowledge. And so we said, man, if we could pool those resources and we could just uh, provide that as Mm. a value add to say, hey, if you want to buy products from us, we're going to manufacture the products just like everybody else. But if you buy your products from us and if you're loyal to us, Mm. we're going to basically teach you how to run your business. We're going to have a whole team of people that help you do that. And we'll do that for free in exchange for loyalty. And um, certainly it was a great business model. It served us well, but I would say it's also... Um, made the work more fulfilling right. because I think just selling a widget and trying to generate revenue from that widget and right. generate a profit is um, is good uh, and it does. I mean, the, the market needs that. But I think our team, if you asked what makes them excited, isn't that we necessarily um, make the best widget as much as that we empower contractors to be successful right. and create businesses they can be proud of yep. and we can create customer experiences at a uh, in a in an industry where customers have a real. Um, most people don't have a great impression of how contractors treat them when they come to their home. And yep. we just feel like the ripples that we can create in the world by helping contractors create remarkable experiences for customers is mm. um, really fulfilling. I love that. I, I love the evolution from Thrasher doing the work to coming up with products that other people can purchase and buy based on your experiences too now saying, how can we add value to those people we're in relationship with? I love John Maxwell talks about this idea of adding value. And this was a huge area that you saw the need, people needing to know and understand how to run a business. And probably from your own experience, you know, your parents started the business mm-hmm. and the business has changed and evolved. I mean, your dad and your mom and what she, I mean, he was probably the best at swinging a hammer and mm-hmm. digging holes. And, but what you and your brother have been able to do is just, I would say, an evolution of the growth of the business, which I would just pause and say this right now. Your parents are amazing. Mm-hmm. And I look at where I am and the role my parents have played. I have been able to stand on the shoulders Absolutely. of individuals who have done so much of the, the hard, <laughs> the toiling, the, the labor, the, the relational building that have allowed me to get where I am. And I'm sure you can say the same thing about your parents. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we wouldn't have even had anything to start with, right? Um, let alone, uh, you know, have the opportunities just to come in and have a good job and whatever else. But I think... Um, the first generation entrepreneur, uh, whether it be starting a nonprofit or a company, yeah. has it the roughest by far. I yes. mean, they have to spend years and years and years being uh, grossly underpaid yes. with the hope that someday if they make it, which most don't, right. that they can maybe retire and kind of be overpaid for the amount of hours they put in right. if they can build it. Right. Um, but my parents spent decades um, just scraping and clawing. Yep. Um, and so because they were really conservative and did a great job and uh, yep. had work ethic that I don't think typical second generation people like I might have brought some oh I hate to even use this word but sophistication to the business right that we didn't maybe have before right but um they had to work way harder right uh, and so um I think it's interesting as I look at our dealers because there's lots of multi-generational businesses out there that we work with yeah is the um when you pass that baton from the first generation to the second generation, there's a lot of things that can right. go wrong. Right. And we were just really blessed um, to have parents that um, kept us grounded, um, right. made us kind of work our way through the trenches. Yes. And that were really fiscally conservative. And right. they decided to just live really conservatively so that we mm. could pour all the money and all the profit that the company made, which at you know, in the early days, it was pretty modest, right? But it was everything they had always went back into the business. So mm. my brother and I were really able to scale it without 
having to be in debt up to our eyeballs right. only because my parents chose not to take money out of the business to go right. on vacation. Um, and so they, again, mm. if it wasn't for them, it would have been right. a impossible, but not, right. not to mention that they had a much crappier, like when my dad right. was 30, I'm th- 37. When my dad was 37, he was still swinging a hammer, right. doing really hard work, working 70 hours a week. Um, and I'm certainly not doing that. So, um, you know, uh, and I love how they didn't just give it to you guys. You had to work your way into it, but at the same time, there's nobody who wanted you to be in the position you're in today more than them Mm -hmm. and for them to sacrifice and encourage and put you there. And I mean, this is a little bit of a, a side kind of commercial break from what we were talking about, but I just think it's so important. I was just thinking of young leaders and people who are taking over for other individuals and the way that you guys have honored your parents have kind of, they've been a part of the process as you guys have developed their ability to push you to the forefront as Mm -hmm. maybe leaders of the first generation who are saying, you know what, it's our time to kind of step away and let our kids move forward. That, that combo and that reality, I think there's so many people going through transition and you guys have just done that at a very high level. Yeah. It's powerful. And I think for so many people, it's just, it's something to, to understand that, I think even your success is a result of the way you guys have handled the transition and the way you've honored your parents. Mm-hmm. Just an encouragement to everybody out there. Yeah, I, I'll just, uh, I would to for hopefully be more encouraging and then we can pass, the, yeah. pass it on to the next thing. But I think it's important to say, it's easy to say, oh, wow, they had it all figured out. I wish right. I was like them. The reality is it was rough and there were some rough edges. Yes. And there were some bumps and bruises and yes. it wasn't always just hunky-dory and everybody's you yes. know, uh, happy-go-lucky. There yes. has been bumps and bruises, but I would say the difference is whether it be having the discipline or the humility or whatever else to say, like, let's go get help. Yes, um, hey, good. we're buttonheads. Let's go. Let's like go talk to a counselor that's about this. Uh, my dad and I have been to counseling together. My yep. brother and I have been to counseling. I love together. that. And Come we just on. say, hey, we got to communicate better. This isn't yes. working. And so that's it good. has really like been a, a really healthy thing in our family. Uh, I mean, just beyond blessed by how everything has progressed to this point. Yeah. But, um, it's just not, don't, some people aren't just luckier than That's others. Good. Yeah. And if it wasn't for my parents and really my mom for saying like, no, Hey, uh, we're not going to just sit around Christmas and kind of stare at each other. Mm. And when we know there's this underlying issue, Come let's on. talk about it. And so, um, I would just encourage those who are saying, man, I wish it was like that for me. Yeah. It can be, you just have to do the, you know, kind of the dirty work of saying, let's get to the root of this and let's, you know, be humble enough to say like, Hey, I was wrong. What do we got to do to make it right? Come on, man. That was worth the price of admission (laughs) right there. I mean, so real, so good. You've got to fight for it. These, some of these situations where you're transitioned from one generation to another, that's destroyed families Mm -hmm. and split them up. But for you guys to still be in this together, I just saw your mom walking over here. I mean, she's still engaged and just the way you guys have continued to do it together, your sister who's a part, just a powerful picture that you can continue to grow a company. You can be different in terms of your generations and your perspectives. But man, if there's a similar purpose and Mm -hmm. desire for the company, you can grow forward together. So good. Absolutely. Come on, man. Well, back to kind of some of the stuff we were talking about before, support works. Just, just for the listeners, I would love for you to give them an, an idea of just the scale we're talking about. You guys have dealers all over the country, and I know you're constantly developing, growing, but I mean, how many dealers are we talking about? What's the scale of the type of work that you're doing? Um, just give us some rough, rough estimate numbers. Yeah. Um, Even though I'm sure you have some very specific numbers. Well, yeah, I'm trying to decide what's appropriate <laughs> to throw in here. So um, we support probably about 150 contractors okay. um, getting ready to launch a division next year that might have a, uh, room for, you know, even a couple hundred more. Um, we have uh, 
you know, our distribution center here where we don't manufacture any products here on site, but we do have a distribution center with a staff that uh, ships and receives all the product and that kind of thing. But we're shipping, I think, 10 or 20 truckloads every day yep. uh, all over the country. Mm. Uh, we just ship, made a shipment to Australia. So wow. um, all over the world, but really the United States and Canada, um, wow. we have contractors in pretty much every major market mm. uh, across the country. What about number of employees? You started in 2008. How many employees do you guys have right now? Yeah, so we have about 100, um, and if you count the whole company, we have about 500, um, okay. but 100 that work on the support work side, which is essentially, on the Thrasher side, we have to have um, people that work here that do all of the work. Yes. For us, because of most of our main products that are manufactured are manufactured by uh, contract manufacturers. Yep. All yep. of our uh, employees are essentially business consultants that teach contractors how to run the business. We yep. have very few you know, operational or manufacturing employees, which if we did do that and didn't... Uh, contract that there would be, you know, there are several hundred people in the state of Nebraska and Iowa that, that are building our products that don't actually work for us. Yep. I mean, it's the power of multiplication and just kind of what you guys have been able to do to scale. I love one of the main things I want to talk about from a business perspective is this idea of alignment. And you talk about the number of employees, you talk about the number of partnerships you guys are engaged in with dealers. You went through a process several years ago where purpose kind of became this driver for you mm -hmm. and it created a sense of alignment within your organization. Tell me uh, just a little bit about just the power of that process you went through where you identified your purpose. Mm -hmm. And then I'd love for you to just share a little bit about what that purpose is from a business perspective. Yeah. Um, so a few years ago, there was a book by Simon Sinek called The Power of Why. Yep. Um, we read that, found it really intriguing. It was kind of a different way of looking at the world. Then we read a couple other books. One was called um, uh, Selling with Noble Purpose, and then another book that was later written called Leading with Noble Purpose. But realizing that um, the, the, what gets you out of bed in the morning, your real true passion and purpose, whether it be both individually or corporately, yep. um, is really trumps everything else. And mm -hmm. We talk uh, in our in our business about there's kind of if you imagine a triangle, there's two sides to every business. And one would be the hard edge, which are your KPIs, your metrics, your deliverables, um, the kind of more number side of the business. Yep. And then there's the soft edge, which is all the people stuff. So mm. it's the, you know, uh, the tough conversations that you might have to have with an employee. It's the empathy. It's all the kind of soft edge of running a business. Yep. And the bottom of that triangle, which is the most important part, is that purpose. So the hard edge yep. and the soft edge really should be driven um, by what it is that your organization's striving for. Yeah, and um, getting aligned and clear on that um, was really important to us. But I think one of the things, because it is sort of a buzzword, I'd say another thing that's a buzzword that I think is a lot, uh, ha it has alignment with culture or with purpose, but I think uh, isn't necessarily the same thing, is culture. Yeah. And I yeah. think both purpose and culture, because there's a lot of books yeah. written about it, have almost gotten ruined a little mm. bit because I think there's a lot of companies that don't that lack purpose or lack culture or right. at least lack healthy culture right. that love to talk about it. Right. And so um, I like to really be clear what, what we mean when we say purpose, what we mean when That's we good. say, when we talk about culture. But with purpose, it was really, to, it wasn't about a marketing slogan. It wasn't to say like, hey, let's come up with something that we aspire to be. Yep. Is It was to say like, hey, let's really get in a room with the people that have been with us for a long time that are our key leaders. And let's say, um, what was it that Greg and Nancy, my parents started yep. back in 1975 that was really important to them? Mm that over the last 45 years or 44 years has continued to be the thing that gets us excited, gets us out of bed in the morning when you yep. think about who are your best employees and what makes them similar to all the other best employees. Mm. And let's try to define that 
what we've always been has been what our purpose really is, but let's yeah. clarify it. Let's codify it. Let's put it, let's, you know, let's write it on the wall so yeah. that it's really clear that this is who we are and this is who we want to continue to be. Mm. Um, and so, um, we went through that process a few years ago. And again, I don't think we were creating... How long did that, that process take for you guys? I mean, it's probably a dynamic you know, it, process. Yeah, it was a dynamic process from like, if I went all the way back, it would be like just starting to read books and yeah. starting to like let your mind be influenced yeah. by saying, man, I, is this important? And yeah. having to process that internally, that took probably six months or a year. Yeah. Um, but I would say once we kind of said, let's make this official, it was probably a six month process anyway mm. of really having multiple offsite meetings and spending a few hours in, in the war room with our leadership team and saying yeah. like, hey, let's be, you know, and really challenging each other because sometimes you'd say, well, this was really exciting for us, but it was really like, no, that, that's not our purpose. That's not yeah. why we get out of bed in the morning. Mm. Um, and so we, we established that. It's probably been four years ago or so yeah. um, where we made that kind of more official, and it has had an, a profound impact on our mm. business. Um, helps us use the lens for the type of people that we should be hiring. If, yep. if when we talk about our purpose in a, in a job interview, um, and we even give them a little pamphlet that says, like, hey, this is, you know, before you leave today, this is kind of something that tells, tells our story and what makes us excited and then they come back for a second interview and you ask them questions about that and they don't seem to have resonated <laughs> right, right. or as you're describing your purpose if they're kind of like not drinking the kool-aid right it's a quick way to say like hey they're probably really smart they might be the best accountant that i've interviewed for this right. position but they're probably just not gonna fit in here yep. and so it's really made a huge difference on across the board the type of people that work here how do we evaluate people how do we make business decisions hey should we get into this thing we can make a lot of money but it totally doesn't align with what gets us excited. Right, right. Okay, well, then we probably shouldn't do it. Let's focus our energy on something um, that really aligns with who we are. Yep. I mean, you guys, you guys talk about your purpose as being to redefine the industry. Mm -hmm. And you can talk about that more specifically, but I love the level of consistency. You talked about, you know, we got to write on the walls. Man, you walk around your office mm -hmm. building, it's literally written on the walls and through, through not just words, but design elements. And, and you see a consistency with how people act and treat people. I mean, every time I walk here, man, I feel like I'm the, the greatest man in the world. <laughs> like we constantly are served and loved. When people answer the phone, man, it's a great day at SupportWorks or it's a great day at the Rational. Like I love the culture that's been built here all mm -hmm. out of purpose. Just big picture, redefine. I mean, what does that mean to, to you guys as an organization? Yeah, uh, so to redefine our industry um, is pretty broad and pretty vague if, yeah. you st if it stands on its own. And the reason, by the way, sometimes I think making something really short and really simple is a lot harder than something yeah, uh, hey, that's really wordy. Yes. You know, a mission yes. statement that everybody can remember that's really short uh, is a lot of times really hard to write compared to uh, just, you know, writing a paragraph about it. So right. it was important to us that it was something that was short and simple that everybody would remember uh, that uh, is easy to um, bring up in everyday conversation. But certainly there's a lot behind that. And yeah. so we actually even wrote what we call uh, I had never heard of a manifesto, but uh, other than Jerry Maguire movie, when he read his manifesto at the beginning <laughs> so of the movie. you guys made that up? Well, somebody kind said, of, hey, yeah. you should write a manifesto. I and I had that. to Google what is a manifesto, but it's essentially <laughs> a statement of our beliefs. So we said, okay, yeah. so if, if our purpose is to redefine our industry, let's, let's write a manifesto, a statement of our beliefs that says, well, what do we mean when we say we want to redefine? Yeah. Um, and so for us, it's really in three different ways. Mm. Um, one is we want to redefine uh, what customers would expect when they hire a contractor. Yeah. We want to make those remark customer experiences remarkable. Mm. And so, uh, you know, if you think about a typical contractor, if you hire somebody, whether it's to do landscaping or put a pool in your backyard or to put in a new front door or whatever it is, is you have to call two or three companies. You hope one of them answers the phone. Yeah. If they schedule an appointment, you hope they show up. If they don't show up at all, they might not show up on time. 
Uh, and then when they, the, they come to do the work, they might, you know, track muddy boots through your house and they might, you know, smoke cigarettes in front of your kids or whatever yep, else that you might yep. not want them to do. And then not to mention on top of everything else is when they leave, you hope they actually stand behind it if it, something goes wrong right. or something breaks. And so we just wanted to redefine what that means when a customer calls a support works contractor or when they call Thrasher. We want to create remarkable experiences yep. and not to say we always do everything perfect, but we want to um, set a really high bar and then we want to stand behind it, uh, which is, I think, really unique and is redefining uh, in the contracting and home yep. services industry. It's good. Um, the other thing we want to do that really resonates with SupportWorks in particular as a supplier to business owners is we want to redefine what it means to own a small construction company mm. because most Small business owners lay awake at night wondering if they can make payroll. Right. They're ashamed of their facilities. You know, right. if you think of a typical, you know, uh, home service construction company as they live, you know, they work in some rundown metal building and right. they feel like, I, you know, I can't attract the best talent. I'm never going to be able to get over the hump. Yeah. And we want to instill... Um, we want to inspire those those business owners to say more is possible, yep. but not just painting a picture to create inspiration, but then we want to walk alongside them and say, more is possible. Let us that. inspire you, but let us walk along as your partner mm. and help you get there. Yep. And that is just really fulfilling for our team. I love that. It's, it's something we can get excited about, and it's a lens of which we can say, is that an industry we should get involved in? Well, I don't know. Can we redefine it? Can yep. we help business owners run better businesses? Can we create more remarkable experiences for customers? Do the customers even care? Yep. And so we ask those questions when we think about business decisions. And then the last way we want to redefine could be any company in the world, whether it's uh, our industry or anything else, um, is we want to redefine for our employees yep. because we know that there's crappy jobs mm. out there everywhere. There's a lot of companies where employees don't feel like they're anything more than a number or a cog in the machine, yep. a way for the shareholders to make more money. And we want to create a place where we can create fulfilling work mm. that will help make people have more fulfilled lives when they go home. Wow. And early on, we talked about the pride in, pride in someone's work and how that affects what they're like when they go home. Right. And we believe if we create a place and an environment where people are stretched, um, especially if you think of construction, you right. get somebody that comes in that was really capable, but maybe just hadn't been given a chance yep. and they're digging holes for a living. And mm -hmm. we say, Hey, maybe you could be more, you could maybe run a crew. Yep. Hey, maybe you could become a manager. Hey, maybe you could help us run something and you continually stretch people as they go home, really fulfilled, really passionate. I yep. think it makes them a better mom and dad, better yep. spouse, better neighbor. And we think, uh, the ripples we can create uh, by creating a world-class place of employment yep. uh, is is a big part of redefining our industry. Just just one question: Are you guys hiring? I mean, I'm kind of looking. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> Literally everybody I talk to who works here, Thrasher Support Works, loves it. It's a highlight. It helps them. I mean, they they feel like they're growing professionally, individually. Um, just the way you guys look at the person as a whole, this is really the type of culture that is attractive. And I know you guys have even been recognized for the culture that, that you guys have here. And, and, and I believe there was a book that was written by, oh, what was her name? Lisa? Lisa McLeod. Lisa McLeod. What was the name of that book? That was called Leading with Purpose. Leading with Purpose. And she talked about Leading with story, Noble Purpose, I guess. Leading with Noble Purpose. And talked about your story and just how you guys have implemented purpose and mm -hmm. just what you guys have done. I think to transform just not only your industry, but industries and individuals and organizations who are trying to mm -hmm. live with purpose. You guys have taken purpose, in my mind, to a whole new level, and it's made a huge impact on my life too. It's been powerful. Individually, so you guys got this organizational purpose. I mean, you're also a dad, mm -hmm. uh, a husband, a father of three. How do you make sure that there is alignment mm -hmm. with your work and all the demands that you have and making sure, you know, your values connect and you, you're able to kind of bring that same passion and energy to your house. 
Outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's a lot harder yeah. I, for me. Um, yeah. I think that particularly, um, and it's probably for everybody, but I think particularly for men, yeah. uh, we can find our identity in a lot of the wrong things. Yep. And I think one of the things that I struggle with, um, and I think most men probably do is finding our identity in our success or yep. how we do in business or what our career looks like. Mm. And so for me, it's a lot easier to bury myself in my work and wear this, ba- wear this badge of honor of, hey, we're purpose-driven, which, by the way, we are, and right. I'm proud of that. Right. But uh, I'm not so per- I, I don't want to be so purpose-driven that I forget about what really yeah. is important and, uh, in my own faith journey and yep. being a great dad uh, and being a good husband, yep. all those things. Um, and I think, I think it's generally easier for people to yeah. be really proud of the work that they're doing at work and not at home. Yep. Um, and so I'll just start by saying... I don't have it all figured out, yeah, yeah. but I think, um, the lessons, uh, that I've really learned over the last, I'd say two or so years, um, because our business was just on this, uh, trajectory of just like ridiculous growth yes. year over year. Yes. And, um, you know, th- so it's easy to just have it be really fun. And then you have your different times where it's more difficult right. and you have different stressors and through some of the expansions that we've done, um, there's just been a lot more pressure right. at work. And so I tended to take that home and let it manifest in not sleeping very well, yeah. uh, you know, body aches and whatever else. And, right. and not to mention just being right. grumpy and all those other kinds of things. And so a good friend of mine, Jason Curry had encouraged me to read a book um, called gospel treason. Mm. And it really talks about trying to identify what are the idols in our life that are, mm. uh, uh, what are we putting on a pedestal that's inter- interfering with our relationship with, with wow. God? And so for me, that was a, uh, it, most people would read that book in like a month and probably have it all figured out. It took me right. over a year to really process wow. all of that. Mm. And, um, having, uh, this need for control yeah. when, when I'm out of control, mm. uh, that's when I think I, uh, tend to be have all the bad things that I'm not proud of in my life tend yeah. to happen when I'm putting, you know, my own success, uh, my own career, yep. my own control over situations. I mean, yep. even if I am going on a vacation, if I'm yep. not in charge of like what right. we're doing every day, <laughs> right. I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I don't like having anybody else be in control. And so yeah. I've had to really, mm. you know, uh, process a lot of that and, yeah. and figure out why am I, or even when you think about success and financial success and different things, I yeah. think no matter how much money you make, I think, uh, you know, and I feel like there's studies out there that talk about the number one reason for divorce and different things are right. financial related. Right. And I think, um, when I'm freaking out at two in the morning and wondering what's going to happen if this thing yeah. happens in business. And as I kind of go through this journey with my brother and, and other friends, like, I mean, and with you and yeah. different people in my life that yeah. I, that I confide in is having to ask myself, like, what happens if God takes it all away? Right. And, um, going, I mean, I'll be fine. Right. I still have a family that loves me. I can go get a job somewhere yeah. else. I could, you know, yeah. I'll come work for a bite. Yeah. It'll be great. Come on, man. Um, so I think, uh, being able to figure out like, why yeah. am I here? And why am I letting the fa- like, if this works out financially well for me, why am I letting that keep me awake at night? And yeah. if you are, it probably means there's an idol somewhere. Yep. You maybe don't mm. know how to define it yet, but you need to start searching your, your heart yep. and figuring out, uh, where am I placing my identity? Mm-hmm. And so, um, that, that journey has certainly t- tied in, I guess, if I was to say like a personal purpose statement, that would probably right. be more difficult. But I would just say, I can assure you my personal purpose isn't to make a lot of money. Right. And my personal purpose isn't to be be the man at work. Yep. Um, I, want, I want to do a good job. And I yep. hope that, uh, you know, all that works itself out. But um, I guess as I think through like what 
when I want to think about what my purpose is, it's mm. to be um, grounded, to not have my identity be in things of this world, yep. and to be in uh, things that are going to have internal impact. Yep. And at the end of the day, mm. if, if that's not clicking on all cylinders, then I got a problem. Yep. So good. I think one of the things that I absolutely love about you, just your family, I mean, you are the first to say, I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> And you're the first to say, man, I, I need to learn and grow in these different areas. And I think it's one of the reasons that you're also so successful. I love the, the saying I heard once, the greater, uh, the greater the scale, the greater the price tag. And so there is a price tag when it comes to building something, an organization, uh, a family. You don't want to you know, lose out on what's most important. But mm -hmm. there's a price tag that sometimes you have to pay the price for mm -hmm. some of those things. The other thing I think about is like when it comes to um, just just leadership as a whole. And I, I remember you said this to me one time and I've never forgotten it. We were having a conversation and I forget what question I asked or what I shared, but you said, my greatest fear is feeling like I haven't done enough. And, mm. and like, I feel like you've lived out of this, this, this genuine heart that God has given me a lot and I want to make sure I steward it well, and I want to make sure I use it well with your family, but also with the community mm -hmm. and your role and your family's role and participation in Abide and, and in your church. Um, t talk to me about just kind of the importance of, of just being a part of the community, being a part of building the community and, and using what God's given you to help other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think like everything, um, the things that we're good at can sometimes be our worst enemy. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say just to tie back to, yeah. you know, um, having this like constant fear of not, not doing enough yep. can also be what drives me into idols that I'm not proud of doing too much. So it's like, Hey, somebody's yeah. going to pass me up. I better work more. Yeah. I better read this net. Like I, I yeah. early in my career in particular, and it's kind of goes through different seasons, I think, uh, throughout life. But I used to have this fear that, I wasn't going to be, uh, I was, you know, a young leader, a yep. young manager of people, not yep. really know what I'm doing. Yep. And so just, I was inhaling business books, mm. just reading them as fast as I could yep. with this fear of, Hey, if I'm not the smartest one in the room, right. uh, when it comes to some of these topics, then I'm, yep. you know, I'm not going to be relevant here. Mm. People aren't going to respect me because mm. I'm, I'm young. I have to overcompensate with all yep. this knowledge and whatever else. Man, and so that, right uh, has certainly helped me in my career, but I would yep. also say it's also gotten in the way a little bit. Yep. And I think to flip that over to more of the personal side, I think, again, uh, it's good and bad. I think the bad part, it would be to feel like I have to do something to earn God's love. Yes. Because yes. Um, you do have this sense of, um, particularly if you start having success in financial success, you start yep. like, I'm, I used to like just... I won't even be able to quote the scripture right, but I used to be like, oh man, I ain't going to get through the eye of a needle because I right. make too much money. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I just like totally you miss take some of those things. You, you read a scripture yeah. and you just let Satan like just dig in and yes. start to create yes. doubt in different ways. And so it was just always this constant fear of saying like, I've, I've got to make sure I do enough to, yeah. to make sure that uh, God still loves me or feels like I'm doing a good job, yeah. which yeah. is totally not right. uh, his heart for me. Right. <laughs> and I've had to figure that out. Yep. Um, but, but I would say because of that kind of personality of saying like, I've always got to have this pressure to do more and make sure yep. that I'm like following all the right rules that that can be a challenge. But I, I guess, um, when I think about the things that, that, uh, last and the things that are fulfilling that yep. last in my heart, it would be, um, things that have nothing to do with my career. 
Mm. They have things to do, uh, has everything to do with things like being a part of Abide and feeling like you're actually transforming mm. a community, yep. that you're being a part of something, that you're, mm. you're joining uh, arms with other people, yep. uh, and love conquers everything else. And so yep. um, good. When, you, when all else fails, mm. um, whether it's because you're trying to earn something or not, if, if you just try to love on other people, and wow. whether you love on other people with your time, your talent, your yep. treasure... Whatever it is, I feel like um, it's a quick way to ground yourself again. Yep. Um, again, so even if it starts with some of the wrong motivations, I right. think it, that God always has a way of saying, uh, of bringing you back home when, when yep. you know, when it's uh, anchored in love. Come on, man. Well, I'll tell you what, one of our favorite prayers is, Lord, change me, and then use me to change the world. And your story is such a story of God's grace, <laughs> His hand mm-hmm. on your life, your... Uh, tenacity to go after the things that he's placed in front of you, but also your willingness to say, God, wherever you want to change me, man, I don't want to run out ahead of your grace and your Mm -hmm. calling on my life. And for me to uh, just be in relationship with you, I've learned so much from you. You've been an encouragement and inspiration to have somebody like you who God has used in so many different ways. And with what you guys have done in your business to speak life into me and to encourage me, you talk about love Man, just I was thinking having this conversation, like this is love. You mm-hmm. you showing love, and I believe everybody listening to it is going to be able to even just receive and experience the type of love that you're expressing. Uh, our heart really is to see everybody use their influence to impact the world that God has placed them in. Mm-hmm. As we get ready to wrap up, as you think about people who have influence, no matter where they are, maybe they're a mother, maybe they're... Uh, running a business, maybe they're a pastor, they're a leader somewhere, what would be your encouragement to them as they try to steward the influence God has given them to impact the world around them in whatever that might look like? It's a big question, and I feel like you've answered it. (laughs) You've answered it in different ways, but maybe what's an encouragement to somebody who's listening that would say, man, I want to make a difference? Mm -hmm. Um, Based on your own own journey, what would be your encouragement to them? Yeah, well, as you were talking about, um, just the... First of all, I appreciate you being uh, saying what you said. I it's yeah. certainly, as you know, reciprocated. Yeah. Um, and as you poured love into me, and vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, uh, iron sharpens iron, and we're able to to get better together. Um, I like that better together. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Hashtag better together. That was in the Chad's script. Got his T-shirt. He's like, come on, man, right here. <laughs> you know, um, I I think that most certainly, I think most people listening to this. Um, are people who probably desire um, to make a difference. Yes. And I think um, while we all have a heart for that, it's really easy for life to get in the way. Mm, and good. I think while you certainly don't need to go volunteer at Abide in order to make a difference, Yes. Um, the reality is most of us struggle to figure out how to practically live out our faith um, yep. just by sh- you know getting home from work. And like not many of us are just walking across to the neighbors and and pouring on love and doing whatever else. I think most of us that just live in the kind of secular world that are going through our day to day. And so I think, um, the encouragement would be, and and the way abide has just made a huge impact on me is creating an outlet Mm. for getting out of the seats and into the streets. Um, cause I can tend to be that Sunday morning Christian that says, I want to do this. Or when I get home, I'm going to do that. And I have all these aspirations, but then life gets in the way. And by having uh, people like you and others, uh, there's plenty of great uh, ministries and ways we can live out our faith by, by forcing those relationships um, and saying, Hey, let's stay in connect. Let's stay connected to each other Mm. is as much as I may be able to encourage you. Certainly you 
loving me and texting me and saying, Hey, what's going on? How are you feeling about this? Hey, do you want to come do that? Is it creates, um, an outlet for me to do what I, uh, I want to do and I know God wants for my life Mm. Um, and it's to um, create those opportunities to love on people when I can quite frankly um, find an excuse not to do that pretty easily in my normal Wednesday Wednesday (laughs) afternoon or whatever so yeah that's so good I mean life is busy and we got a million things that we're trying to do but I love it get connected surround yourself with people who want to make a difference and and allow that to uh, just inspire you to want to get in the game I, I love the idea find a cause Man, abide. There are so many causes in our city, wherever you are listening. Find a cause, get plugged in, because it will literally cause you to take action and get in the game. I love what we say. You you, you don't have to do everything, but we do believe that God has called you to do something. And we want you to go use your influence to impact the world in whatever that looks like. Dave, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Excited to see what happens. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on our episode today. We hope you're inspired to use your influence to impact your world. 